we recognize Peter denied Jesus three times, so three times Jesus is going to say, Peter, do you love me? And I recognize there's a change in Greek verbs there, but, but um, the main thing is this. How does Jesus respond when someone says, I love you, Lord? What does he ask them to do? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, care for my people. So Peter is restored, and he's restored to ministry, and based upon the love he has for the Lord, Jesus says, here's how you show it. You show it by loving my people. So it's a great passage, and I just wanted to refer to that, but we're not going to look at that uh, today because we're looking at Psalm 23, which I've claimed, as many of you have, as a psalm of my life, and I just want to make it very personal and uh, share that with you. Before I do, uh, just a, a few things. Again, this, uh, this is one of those things where I was, I was thinking today, when I left my previous church, we had a, a large sanctuary, so we could seat over 1,400 people, and I told them, we normally do two services, please just do one, so I only have to do this one time. And I tell you what, I'm doing it three times this weekend. I'd give money to do it one time, but at this point, it's, it's three. You get to be number one, by the way. Uh, the other thing is, I am um, I'm kind of nursing a sore throat, so just be aware of that. I'll be wearing a mask afterwards, not for, for your sake, and just be aware of that. Uh, let me just give you, as I get to uh, my final time before our entrance into the Word of God, and one of the things I've wanted to do is make this a time where I get to lead you in prayer, and that's been a privilege as well. But let me just make a few announcements before we go to that time of prayer. There was someone who uh, once said, uh, finish the chapter before you turn the page. And I've, I've tried to cling to that, and I've asked people to pray for me that I might finish well. And so one of the things I've had is the, the privilege of uh, shepherding, pastoring. And as Peter mentioned, a lot of people are saying, okay, you, you made it through uh, Subi Renew, and that's been a blessing. I pray for decades to come. This building, facility will be a blessing. And then through that time of COVID, which no one was prepared for, but we had to do it together, and so we called it Subi Together. And today, I still want to speak as your pastor, and uh, as, as you know, I remain in the role until November 30th, so I, I know you can count those days, but it's still that role, and I want to finish well. Uh, the next page for me, it, when we turn, finish the chapter, the next page is Sparrow, and so I'm not retiring, please do not use that word. Um, I'm going into another pastoral role in ministry, and I'm looking forward to it, but I want to finish here. Uh, let me just mention, we, we talked about an Israel trip that was going to be part of that ministry, and we did find out this week what the costs are, so this is the high cost, it could go down from there, but it's going to be $58.95 plus airfare. So I looked at that, compared it to our 2020 trip, which is pretty close, we're about 1200 over the 2020 trip. The fact is, everything's gone up, including the American dollar, which is what they use in Israel. And, um, and so it's just higher. And the prices are higher and inflation's there. We knew it was going to be higher. So I guess I was happy that it wasn't higher than this. But that's, um, that's inclusive of tips and so forth, visas and everything else. So if you have an interest in that, I do want you to know that is the number. So I'm sharing that publicly. And if you've signed up, we'll keep you informed on that. 
As we've we shared, uh, we want to be clear on what the season is. It is a season of transition and changes, and we recognize that can cause some people to be a little bit nervous. And so let me just give a couple of words about that before we have our time of prayer. And I just pray that you would um, just hear what, me out on these things. So changes are a fact of life. I believe that. Uh, and it's how we handle them that matters. And it really is a test of character when we go through changes. So I will be leaving. A new senior minister will be appointed. Not yet. We do not have not identified that person. Therefore, we still keep praying. In the transition, I want you to be aware that uh, Peter Wiesk, who was the one who handed me that book, he is, will be our interim executive pastor and will take the administrative roles and some of the, the shepherding roles that I've had as the, uh, as the senior pastor. So I always look at it as uh, there's a, a primary role for a pastor to be a pastor teacher, give shepherding care, but also there's a servant leadership. There's administrative involved in that, and he's going to be taking that over as a staff uh, team leader, as an elder, and in a shepherding role. So please pray for him. On the elder board, again, there's a changing of the guard, and we need to recognize that. And one of the things I've been privileged to do is be able to share, uh, serve with Joseph Tan for many years, and the Lord took him home, and then Rod Cousins in the last couple of years, and now uh, Sean Kong will be the chairman of the elder board. And I say that, and just so you know, and I say this in all sincerity, I think he's the man for the job. And so I'm asking you to support, encourage, pray for him and the elders in this time of transition. They do not have an easy job. They do not get paid for it. They do it out of love for you and out of love for the Lord. Let me talk about the role of the congregation briefly. It's not passive. It's active. You pray. You encourage. As you have concerns, voice your concerns, but always voice them with that vision of bless, blessing God, blessing others. One of the things that the Spirit of God calls us to is unity, and we need to be one during this time of transition. And God will be with us. I'm very confident of that. He's been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. So everyone, elders, deacons, staff, congregation, we go forward, not in fear. That is not of the Lord, but in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that's my last official announcement, and what I'd like to do is go with you to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are so faithful to us, and each of us, we want to bring before you our, our burdens, our concerns, our hurts, and even our sins. We lay them before the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. And we look to you as the head of this church to guide and direct us in the days ahead, knowing that you have been so faithful to us. We look to you. We trust you. We love you. And Father, I do pray that as we look to this very precious portion of Scripture once again, not unfamiliar, but one that is precious to us. It is a treasure in your word, and we want to live it out. This amazing thought, the Lord is my shepherd. 
So please bless us as we look at your word. In Christ's name, amen. So some psalms of my life, Psalm 23, I'm claiming it. You get to claim it as well. And if you haven't claimed it yet, I'd love for you to claim it today. But let's start out. Um, we know it's the Lord is my shepherd. It's a shepherd's psalm. So it involves sheep. There's always some sheep involved with shepherds. You can't have one without the other. And this is a story, true story, from 2005 in Turkey. And I'm going to show you just a, a brief screen because it tells that story. But there were sheep, and they were on this cliff. And, and apparently, one of them, for whatever reason, stepped over the cliff. And that sheep was the leader. And then the other sheep start following that one. And they keep following one after the other after the other. 450 fall to their death. Now, there are 1,500 sheep that were actually there. The shepherds were at a distance. They were doing their breakfast at the time. And, and there were about 1,500 sheep. The other ones didn't die because they landed on the bodies. And, and so at some point, they cushioned one another's fall. But... What's going on there is we think about sheep, and sheep are not the brightest animal in the world, and sheep need a shepherd. Whenever we take a trip to Israel and Jordan, I always ask people, look out for sheep, and if you see sheep, there will be a shepherd. I'll promise you, a shepherd will be in eyesight of those sheep. They have to be, because a sheep, if you leave them alone, they just do stupid things. That's what sheep do. Pastors are called to shepherd God's flock. The scripture we read was Jesus and Peter. But remember, when Peter said, Lord, I love you, Jesus responded, feed my sheep. I want you to care for my flock. For me, the highest privilege that anyone can have is to be that under-shepherd in the church of Jesus Christ. And when we are asked, do you love me, Lord? And Jesus says to me or any person who will shepherd the flock, Jesus says, feed my sheep. So for me, it's been a privilege these last 10 years. I, I do want to tag on because uh, I, I recognize there's a, something that my brother started in 1989 when Graham came here as a very young man and built this church up and served this church for 21 years that uh, today, this day, will be my final message, and uh, Graham gave his final message, but together, if I can speak for both of us, it's been over 30 years of ministry, and it's been a joy and a privilege to be able to serve you and serve Suby Church. I want to talk about why tw Psalm 23 is so popular, beloved, because in times of greatest need and uncertainty, distress, sorrow, in the face of an uncertain future, we have, according to this, this passage, a God who cares, a God who leads, a God who helps. I want to speak personally because this is one more opportunity for me to declare personally very deep-seated belief in my heart, the Lord is my shepherd. We all need a good shepherd the other thing that we need is clarity, and I find in this passage great clarity. Who we are, we need to know who we are very clearly, how we relate to the world around us, but also 
It provides clarity in our relationship with the Lord. How do I relate to my God? He's not some impersonal force. He is not just a power in the universe. He is a God that I love. He is my shepherd. Two relationships and images there. So the shepherd and the sheep, that's very clear. The second one you'll also notice, and I think it's also clear, is the guest and the host. So two relationship images in this passage and two reoccurring themes in the passage. So the theme of intimacy and the theme of confidence. We see these again and again come up in Psalm 23. So one more time, I do want to ask you to stand as we read from God's word and hear this beloved psalm. I know you've heard it before. Let it wash over your soul. Let it be a fresh reading and a fresh understanding of who our God is. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. You may be seated. So two thoughts. First, the Lord is my shepherd. It's very clear, taking it right from the text. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a psalm of David, who is the shepherd king. And We don't know the occasion where he wrote it. I I like to at least think in my own mind that perhaps David was watching over his sheep. And and he could speak to his sheep, and they would recognize his voice, and, and he would say to his sheep, you know, you have a shepherd. I'm your shepherd. I'm your good shepherd. And then he might wonder, well, well, who shepherds me? And then he smiles, and he says, of course. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And so whether it occurs that way or not, it's still very intimate. The Lord. Now, in the NIV, it just says the Lord, and you'll notice the capital L-O-R-D. It is the covenant name of our God, Yahweh. It is not a title. It is a person. So if I say to you, Something like this, I saw the doctor today. You have a concept of of who I'm talking about, but if if I say, I saw my friend Tim, who is my GP today, it puts it on more of a personal basis. David calls him not just God, power, force. He is Yahweh. He is my covenant God. That is his name. That is his name. So Jesus is his name. He is the Messiah, the Christ. That is his title. But Jesus is his name. And in this case, it is Yahweh. And he calls him 
my shepherd. Now think about that for a moment. Isn't there more to the flock than just David? And I don't think he's, he's trying to exclude other people. He's just making it very, very intimate and personal. And each person, in my belief, can either say or deny that phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. Or, the Lord is not my shepherd. But everyone has that opportunity. There's clarity here. He knows his shepherd. He knows who to listen to. He knows who to follow. You got that? We live in a world where people are living, in my opinion, in an amazing fog. They do not even understand their own identity. They have this huge fog. But David clarifies, I have this clear relationship with my God. He is my shepherd. I know who I'm following. I know who I'm listening to. I'm not confused by the noise of the world. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is going to take this same phrase. In John chapter 10, look over there. John 10, beginning verse 14. Now I want you to think about it. If you take out the adjective, Jesus says this. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. You got it? Jesus is going to claim this thing, okay? No Christian should ever read Psalm 23 and think this has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus claims it. He claims it is his space. I am the shepherd. Actually, he adds one adjective. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. That is the good shepherd. And that is who Jesus is. When I say Yahweh is my shepherd, it puts him in the shepherding role, okay? That's who he is, the shepherd. What does that make me? Get with it. What does it make me? Sheep, of course. Sheep. I, I wish, you know, in some sense, I wish, you know, why not a lion? You know, even if you think about it, sheep are defenseless. Sheep have no natural defenses. At best, they can run away. Not a lion, not even a kangaroo, okay? So I'm doing the Australian. Not even the kangaroo, I, I get it. They have some defenses, not, not, not sheep. Sheep are not smart. We've said that. They're known to be pretty stupid animals. Live with it. We, if our, go our own way, we would go in a bad way. One person has said they, uh, they checked out uh, and interviewed a lot of people who work with sheep and asked me, you know, tell me about the brain of a sheep. And the guy said, well, the brain of a sheep is just slightly above a cabbage. That's where we're looking in terms of the, how they're thinking. So I got to live with that. He calls me his sheep, which means I am very dependent upon him, very dependent, or else... I would do the stupid thing and step over the cliff as well. Now, Jesus' sheep, let's go back to John chapter 10, beginning in verse 27. And this is what he says. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So let's talk about the sheep. 
The sheep, the sheep, listen to my voice. The sheep follow me. One of the things we've got to distinguish, I'm being very serious here. We've got to distinguish between the voice of Jesus and the voice of the crowd, okay? If you're just going with where the crowd is, I'll guarantee you that's not Jesus' voice. It cannot be Jesus' voice. He is not the voice of the mob. He's not the voice of the crowd. He's the voice of the good shepherd. It is quite different than the voice of the crowd. If you think that Jesus' voice is identical with your voice, you know, Jesus thinks just like me, you got another thing coming. You need to spend more time reading the Bible. Because he will challenge you, he will change you, because he will shape you to be his sheep. But you listen to his voice and you follow him. There's a sense of confidence. Do you see it even in that very first verse? He says this, I lack nothing. I want to go to the English Standard Version because it starts out the same. The Lord is my shepherd. But then it says, I shall not want So let me use that for just a moment. So it says, because the Lord is, because the Lord is, I shall. Got it? The Lord is, I shall. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall be content. I shall be thankful. I shall practice Psalm 150 to praise the Lord, that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I want to talk about the needs here. How does he supply my needs? How does he supply our needs? The psalmist illustrates this in verses 2 through 4. Its emphasis is on the shepherd's role as a provider. And so think about it. Not only is sheep needy, this is in a desolate land where he's speaking. It's dry, rocky hills with sparse water, little grass. Four provisions. First, he provides food. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Second, he provides rest beside the still waters. He provides guidance. He leads me. He provides protection. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that guidance, that path, that right direction in life, One of the things that if you're going to claim Jesus as your shepherd, if you're going to claim the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to be, again, extremely serious because it's very personal. You do not get to say no to the shepherd. You follow his voice. You go where he calls you. It is a concern of mine, and I'm speaking to a younger generation, anyone younger than me. I'm 64. If you're younger, I'm speaking to you. If the Lord calls you, he has the right, he has the right to direct your life. If you're not willing to submit to his direction, there's an issue there. As Peter kind of hinted, there was a a really tough thing for me uh, a little over 10 years ago when I was being asked, would you come here? And, And for me, it was a very comfortable situation that I was in. And I was about ready to say no. But then in my daily devotions, I was reading from Mark chapter 10, and Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler. Now, Jesus has the right to speak to the rich young ruler, right? He says to the rich young ruler, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to give everything to the poor and follow me and your riches and blessing in heaven. It'll be enormous. Why does Jesus say that? Why does he have the right to say to the rich young ruler, just give it up and follow me? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He has that right. If you deny him that right, then don't call him your shepherd, okay? You can't do that. So my passage, my reading that day, it was a time when we had, Sherry and I had made the decision to say no to this opportunity, and my daily Bible reading came from Mark chapter 10, and Peter spoke up and he says, Lord, well, we've left everything to follow you. Verse 29, Jesus said, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecution in the age to come, eternal life. And so that's what the Lord spoke to me at that moment. We continue to pray about it, and and we are here because the Lord has the right, must have the right to direct our paths, or else we are denying the Lord as our shepherd. He has to have that right. And so I say that, especially to a younger generation. Please give him the right to direct your path wherever it may go. Why do we do that? It was very clear, for his namesake, for the glory of his name. That's why. What about the hard times? They're there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Hebrew construction there is shadow and death together would have a superlative meaning. So it's talking about the deepest, darkest shadow. So if you think about the, the shadow of death, and we, I think we have an image, just kind of a picture of that. Uh, this applies whenever we go through dark and difficult times. That's what it is. Um, they're there. They're part of life. We, we, we just go. But God is still with us. And, and if people think, well, I'll follow Jesus as long as it's always a rose garden, and it's not. You've got to come back to this psalm and make it a psalm of your life. When I go through the deepest, darkest times, he's still there. I'm not going to be afraid. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you see the confidence? you see the confidence? I've got a good shepherd who leads me, who directs me. And sometimes it's even in a dark valley, but he's still there with me. He's always there. Let me just highlight, if you look at um, verses 1 through 3, it speaks, the, the pronoun there is he. He, 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 he makes me lie down. He leads me, he refreshes me, he guides me. But then if you look at verses 4 through 6, it's you. You are with me, your rod, you prepare, you anoint. What's going on there? He speaks about God, and he speaks to God. 
One of the beautiful things is followers of Christ Jesus is we don't just speak about God, our, our God. We speak to our God. The Lord is my shepherd. It has multitude of applications for all of us. The question I ask you right now is this. Can you seriously, can you seriously say that is true? The next idea, the Lord is my host. I want you to look at uh, verses 5 and 6. The shepherd is clear, but notice how he speaks in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's, it's entering into a place that he has prepared for us. He is our host, and we are his guest. You prepare a table. And one of the things, I, I cannot read that without thinking that the Lord prepares a table. We call it the Lord's Supper. He prepares a table. He's both the good shepherd and he's the Lamb of God who gives himself for us. When Jesus speaks about that, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You have to keep that Psalm 23 in mind even when we come to the Lord's Supper. It's Jesus inviting us into his presence, but he is the good shepherd. He speaks about my enemies. Yeah, there's still enemies there. Every accusation Satan can throw at me, every one, in the presence of my enemy, you notice what he does. He anoints my head with oil. He welcomes me. He he fills my cup to overflowing. There is these enormous blessings that he does not push me away as a sinner. But Jesus Christ saves me by his life, by his death on the cross, and then he draws me close and invites me into his presence. He shuts out Satan. The great accuser can say anything he wants, but my Lord is there. Goodness and love follow me. Uh, Again, it's interesting here, the the idea of this this verb would be it, it pursues me. Goodness and love are in pursuit of me. They help me. So it's not to let me escape. Just like I said, uh, it, it, good shepherds, shepherds will not let their sheep get out of their sight. Wherever we go, all the days of our life, what God puts in our life is goodness and love. And he puts that on our path. And that is always in our pursuit. Now sometimes, just remember, we go through a dark valley. It's dark. It's scary. But you need to know goodness and love are still following behind you. God's goodness and love are there. So the Apostle Paul can say, and we know that God works all things together for our good, for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's still there. The problem we might have, the problem we can have, is what? We have this love affair with the world. I want you to look over at John 14. Jesus, again, is going to interject himself into this host thing, okay? 
just like he does into the shepherd thing. He says, John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's, ha- my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. So again, we have the dwelling of God, the Father. Jesus saying, but I'm, I'm going to interject myself into this story again because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever that you may also be where I am. We dwell forever. Forever. We just need to continue to meditate on that. If, if you feel like you've got forever figured out, tell me, write a book about it. But I don't. We just keep dwelling on what does it mean to dwell forever in the presence of the Lord. And, and I, I get it. Some people in our world would say, look, I, I don't want to dwell forever in the presence of the Lord. I want to be with my friends. And if they're going down... That's where I want to go. That's where I want to be with my mates. And we don't, and if we ever buy into that type of mentality where we think, God, who created this world, and it's beautiful. There's so many beautiful things in this world, and yet he creates a new heaven and a new earth that is even more magnificent, and that's where I dwell forever. Please don't ever entice me or make me think that I want to be in hell with my mates and not dwell in the presence of the Lord forever, enjoying his presence, and actually worshiping him face to face. No, that's what I want. As I said, this is a psalm of my life. There's a sense of intimacy and confidence. I'm going to close with Romans chapter 8, verse 35, because I can't find anything better that summarizes it all when it all comes down to it. Romans 8, 35. Think about Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. He prepares a place for us, and he will come for us. Paul says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. That's been the lot of followers all along. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. It happens. But in all these things, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see the confidence? There's an intimacy in the love. There's a confidence in that. For I'm convinced, here's my confidence, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I simply want to close with this thought. If you can genuinely, genuinely say, the Lord is my shepherd, you are a blessed person. You see it in Psalm 23. You are a blessed person. You are blessed. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. If you do not know the Lord as your shepherd, 
The, the beauty is this. The good shepherd invites you to follow him. Jesus invites you to hear his voice right now, right where you are. And when you put your faith and hope and trust in him, he invites you to be part of his great flock. And he will be to you that good shepherd. He will be to you that savior of sinners. He will be to you that one who will come and take you to be with him, and we will forever be with our Lord. Please, that's the most important message I have. If you do not have the Lord as your shepherd, there's no other message. Receive him. Trust him. Invite him to be your Lord, your Savior. Pray with me. Father, right now, I just want to pray on behalf of any here, any who are listening, who will honestly, before the, the King of Kings, the God who knows all things, they will honestly say, no, you're not my shepherd. But I wish you to be my shepherd. I want to follow you. And so, Lord, if you are speaking through your spirit to anyone here, I pray that you would draw them to yourself right now. I pray that they would put their faith, trust, hope in Christ alone. Lord Jesus, we know that what you call us to do is to confess our sins. Our sins separate us from a righteous God, but Jesus dies on the cross for sinners like us. He was raised the third day, victorious over sin and death. And so, Lord Jesus, here's our prayer. Jesus, today, I want to accept you as my good shepherd. Today, I confess that I am a sinner, and if left to my own way, it is destruction. But following you is life, eternal life. So I turn away from my own way, and I follow you the way, the truth, and the life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me everlasting life. For the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. In Christ's name.